Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to Horror Bites on Save Room, the uh, show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm hungry for souls of the damned, and he is heading into a cave. Together we are Neil Bolt and Jay Krieger. How goes it, Jay? Pretty good, pretty good. Busy week, but uh, we have two games that I'm very excited to chat about. Yes, very much. Yeah, two very different games, again, you know, distinctively different, I think, uh, in, in so many ways. So... To sort of go into that uh, on this week's episode, horror laced with Chinese heritage and a Metroidvania you can actually play on a Game Boy, provided you do the certain software uh, voodoo uh, as you do do. Uh, these games can, as ever, be found on each year. And if you play them and enjoy them, please make sure you give them a sacrifice of a few coins from your inventory or just simply follow the people involved and follow their projects in, in the meantime so first this week jay you have brought us a pretty serene horror experience but uh jay yeah jay tell us about bride into the cave sure so this game was surprisingly developed in a single month by a collective of five graduate students going yeah. by the title of this game so in yeah. for the moment they're good <laughs> just going by the collective of bride into the cave but, you know, I think based on the reception that this game will surely receive, I think that will probably change. And, you know, as is the case this time and is not always the case with Horror Bites, um, Bride into the Cave is a completely free experience, which, again, I was like kind of shocked by. Mm. And after getting to sit down and actually playing through it. But Bride into the Cave is a horror puzzle game about culture, family and second chances. You play as Meow Fei, a girl who awakens in a cave with little to no memory and attempts to not only escape, but to learn the truth behind the an ancient tale and her own history. Yeah. So I think a pretty immediate 
source of reference for this game would be Red Candle Games Detention, right? It is a so much yeah. 2D puzzle horror side scroller that has a really gorgeous art style. It's um, focusing on an aspect of Asian heritage and culture that maybe is not as widely known uh, around the world. And so it's shining a spotlight on that regard. And yeah, you know, it's another example of a game that utilizes the medium of horror to educate players on those lesser known cultural events Mm -hmm. and traditions. So for this game, it really is exploring the marriage traditions of the Miao minority of Western China and primarily, you know, the concept of arranged marriages, but the game also heavily has a thematic of equality for women and even says as much in the text where it's about, you know, women learning that they can aspire to more than just being, you know, wives and mothers and whatnot, which is what mm-hmm. at one point in time that culture uh, dictated and not the only culture for that matter, you know, that's been a, a, a issue in multiple cultures and these things. And so to have a light shown on that, but still telling a narrative that feels very genuine it has that thematic relevance behind it, but it's not skimping on the game aspect of it, right? Which sounds very uh, simplistic to say, but I think that sometimes when you have games that have a greater social commentary or message behind them, finding that balance of the game of it, utilizing the genre properly, and then having your message can be kind of muddled, I think, at times. And it's not always, you know, the intention of the people behind it, but it's just a byproduct of having a lot of pots in one kitchen, if you will. And I'm happy to report that for Bride into the Cave, that's not the case. This game very seamlessly, I think, drops you into this world, which is this gorgeous art style and backgrounds that are very expressive, that are, I think, great at establishing that this is a people and a culture that you might not be familiar with. And what I mean by that is, is that there's a lot of different, I think, traditional art, whether it's in character costumes, mm-hmm whether it's in environments themselves that are laced and laden with, um, you know, artwork or designs that, you know, seem foreign because they are foreign to majority of people, but it does a great job, I think, of instilling a very singular, um, you know, people in their culture and whatnot. And from the outset, it shows the importance of why you need to have games that go out of their way to expose people to these cultures and these different things and explaining that. Um, before I get into sort of the puzzles and whatnot, I'm curious, you know, how was your initial time with Bride into the Cave? Yeah, so, yeah, that initial sort of presentation, as you said, is very reminiscent of Detention, which is interesting, to, just given the, the, the history behind that game and, you know, the country involved here. But at the same time, you know, it, it really does tap into a very personal sort of story you know a personal idea of uh, history and examines it without the kind of um safety that many people seem to think would be reminiscent of china as it is now and how uh, much it blocks you know from the rest of the world and how much it keeps away and yet here it's showing a very brutally honest depiction of how things were maybe it's because it's a he you know a historical piece that isn't really veering too much into the political side of that that it doesn't get the same problems that um red candle ended up getting you know uh, with uh, devotion the game after detention but at the same time it's bold 
for what it does and the way it handles it. And it's a very uh, serene game, as I pointed out uh, before we started here, because it's not really about scares. It's very much in the vein of yeah, Pan's Labyrinth or even like The Devil's Backbone or, or even the tension, the film, you know, in terms of taking historical concepts and marrying them to something more fantastical. And the thing you take from it most is that historical context. You know, you get something from it that is much richer than, I suppose, the more stereotypical stuff. Not to say that it's badly done in, in that regard. I, I just think that the education you get from this game is more valuable in terms of haunting you than any supernatural element. Yeah, you know, when I went back and was thinking about detention, the aspect of that game that I could have lived without was those sections that had the monsters, right? And you have yeah. to avoid them. They're basically just patrolling the corridor and you have to like hide in the shadows and then pop back out and then move past them. So when I sat down and played this, I was much more in favor of the approach of it doesn't have traditional monsters. It doesn't have jump scares. It's more about, you know, the horrors of man and, and culture in some aspects, if you will, uh, which, you know, all cultures have some horrifying aspect or along the lines of traditions or customs or these things, you know, specifically when if you're talking about something along the lines of like arranged or forced marriages uh, and you get to see and to your point, you know, it being a very genuine story and a genuinely told story you know, you get to see the heartbreak of what those decisions being made by others and how they affect those that, you know, are having the course of their life altered against their will or their wishes. Um, so there's definitely that aspect. But I think also it's just the sort of the character trying to piece together her own past while trying mm -hmm. to decipher things that should very clearly be recognizable to her or noticeable to her, but it's kind of like being a stranger in a strange land. And yeah. they use a little bit of sort of dreamlike logic with things where there's one instance you go into a room, of course you have nothing but questions and your parents are there and your parents won't answer your questions, mm. um, which was like one of the more surreal moments in the game, which was pretty disturbing. But if anything, again, in the best use of the medium of horror to tell real world stories is the fact that, you know, that probably parallels what somebody's experience was like saying, I don't want to marry this person. And the parents were, you know, anybody that's involved in an arranged marriage, the parents are saying, well, you're marrying them. So they might as well not respond to you at all. Mm. Um, but in terms of like the puzzles and whatnot, I thought there was a good variety of puzzles in terms of like how they're actually constructed. I'm not going to say that I haven't done or experienced certain puzzles that were just like that, where, you know, you're revolving, uh, pieces of a picture or you're revolving this kind of weird, this different symbol, not weird symbol, but a different symbol that you don't recognize. But the lack of complexity perhaps behind some of the early puzzles, it's all part of the environment that you're exploring. And it all has relevance to the setting of this game. So the seamlessness with which, you know, you go into an environment and you have puzzles, but they are a byproduct of the world that you're exploring, I thought was terrific. And the fact that the puzzles then begin to build and escalate that you need to do a fair bit of digging through, you know, different symbols and being able to translate them into codes and these things I thought was great. Added a decent amount of difficulty or just having to go back and utilize your inventory pieces mm. of the environment made everything kind of full circle. And then there was one uh, mechanic that's introduced about 20 minutes into the game. And I should note it's 
about a 60 or 90 to 90 minute experience, which is a good chunk of an experience for a free game. Yeah. Um, but there's a mechanic that allows you to put basically like a negative filter over an environment and things begin to pop out of the environment that are from the past, which then influences yeah. how you can proceed through environments in the present day. Um, and there's a little bit of sort of time travel element to that. Um, but I was really, really impressed with the complexity and the ability to meld genre norms into, again, this very singular story that um, I'm floored is a free experience on Itch.io. Yeah. Right? This is one of those games where it's like immediately within the first 10 minutes, I went back to the page and donated what I thought would be appropriate um, because it really is one of those experiences that um, is so incredibly well-rounded. And that's not to say all horror bites are not well-rounded or polished, but you know, no, no, it's, it feels like a full fledged experience. Yeah. And I think one of the things that doesn't do it service quite early on is like, when you look at the comments, I think one of the first videos anyone does of this game is like 10 minutes long and it doesn't mm. finish the game. Yeah. Like that. So it already gives a misleading idea of like, I mean, the uh, person in question got stuck and gave up there, you know, like that, and because they were fitting a, a remit, which is damning. You know, I think something we've noticed a lot with these games uh, on Horror Bites is that people have realized in that space that, you know, they, they are quite short games. They can fit 10 to 15 minute videos no problem like that and when a game doesn't they kind of cut it off to fit it and that really does this game a real disservice i think because it's so much more than they show in those 10 minutes those 10 minutes don't represent the game as it is and you know there are better videos down there in that comment section if, mm -hmm. you, if you want to go there i think but playing it for yourself obviously is the main thing yeah if you're gonna go for it but um i i understand that people do want to watch videos sometimes first and foremost and yeah predominantly you will notice that video is up there as like the first example and if, if you are going to go into this game that way first before trying it out that video don't because it, it doesn't show off this game in any pleasing or representative way of what it actually is as a game and it's unfair and like i said i get why because it's become like a, a, a microcosm of what indie horror is now that like it has to you know we kind of covered it in ourselves you know where we say your oh, games only take 10 to 30 minutes you know wonderful great like that stuff not every game does. And, you know, we like to say that, you know, Horror Bites is about games that are shorter than the average experience of any normal game, you know, like that. We cover stuff that is 10 to 15 minutes long, but a couple of hours is still fine, you know, like that. They can be covered too, because why not? You know, they are still shorter than most games, like that. And I think to get the full effect of this, you really need to give it that time. You know, you really have to embrace what it is culturally and in terms of story as well because i i think it just tells a wonderful story and um yeah you, you can't get much better than um what it's going for it's yeah detention is a great comparison point and could be a damning one in fairness yeah given how much you know we've we've 
talked about that and discussed how wonderful that game is. But I think this is a smaller, quieter experience in a lot of ways and does really well with it. Yeah, and you know, one thing I'll say about the length of it is that I typically wouldn't recommend a game for Horror Bites that was this long unless it really did grab me in those opening moments. So yeah. the reason that I did ultimately pick the game, um, apart from, you know, all of the things that we've mentioned and, you know, I love mm. the look of it. It was very intriguing from a cultural standpoint, educating, you know, me, a white guy from America on a culture that I'm not familiar with at all. I was actually not only enjoying mm. it from a storytelling perspective, but I'd learned something in the process. Um, but at the same time, you know, I saw that video down below and it said it was 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, this is, might be an interesting little bite of horror as is typically the process. But within the opening moments, I was captivated again by all the things I mentioned and the production value and yeah. the polish that's there. So, you know, once in a while, we're going to get these games that are a tad bit longer. And the last thing I will say is that um, make sure it, when you boot this game up, you immediately go to settings and change the language because the language does not automatically revert to English which was, again, a very uh, a Western thing that I assumed yeah, it would be yeah, Im immediately same. in English. But go into it and make sure you go to settings to set that straight because you do not want to miss any of the dialogue in this because it is uh, that good and it's uh, the brunt of the experience because it really is a, a captivating little tale. Yeah, and as Jay says, you know, detention is a great point of reference just in terms of how it's presented, in terms of the kind of story it is. Even though, you know, those two things should not mix when you really talk about it in general, that the, there is great comparisons to be made there. And I think that if you like that game, you can look at this from a similar sort of viewpoint and really take a lot from it. I mean, this is probably the longest we've talked about a uh, horror yeah. bite, actually, mm -hmm. since we started doing this uh, two-game <laughs> two format. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that says a lot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, no disservice to any other game that's come before it. I, I just think there's a lot to talk about here um, uh, beyond the game itself. And But the game itself is really interesting. And, um, yeah, what, definitely one of the highlights of, of this year so far. Um, so before we go soul feasting, uh, we will take a short break. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And welcome back. For this week's second pick, we must complete one simple task. Feed it souls. In this game, by the marvellously named Gumpy Function, you are <laughs> the offspring of IT, that's capital IT, uh, a biotechnological monstrosity after only one thing, delicious souls. So, you seek out and retrieve souls to feed your master. His power is your power, and every soul retrieved will enhance your mobility as you explore your surroundings. Now, sounds great as a hook anyway, but the 
thing that is really the hook about this is it is a Game Boy game. You know, um, it's designed to work on a Game Boy. And I, I say this, you can't see with you know, like the air quotes because it's not technically supposed to work on a Game Boy. It's more like a, a Game Boy that has been modified to work with things like this sort of thing. But, um, but playing it, you will see that it is very much a Game Boy game. Now, it's an impressive one. I, I think it's the uh, thing you can take away from it straight away is like you have this little intro sequence that does a very old school sort of scroll across these this imagery. It looks really cool like that. And I, I was looking at it and thinking, I look back to early Game Boy sort of stuff and it's better than that. You know, it's like, but it does that wonderful trick of making you think it is exactly like an old Game Boy game in so many ways and uh, despite being so much more sophisticated and that instantly was like okay yeah that is great when when a developer understands the project of like we're making a game that could work on this hardware but we're learning lessons from what we have become as a a people since then you know and this is great in so many ways like that now, the game itself is a Metroidvania that looks very familiar to many Metroidvanias of that era that, you know, it has the same functions, features, but it has a really nice off-kilter weird edge to it that, um, you know, like you are like this <laughs> humanoid character that has a hand for a head, basically, sort of thing like that, which is not easy to see once you're actually in-game. And like uh, in the intro scene, you are born that way, and you, you see that. Um, but yeah, there, there's some tasteful language, yeah, to say the least, uh, in this game to sort of pushes you further. And I, I think maybe that's the thing that got me the most about this is while it is homage and a faithful adaptation of what we would expect from that era of gaming on the Game Boy got those modern touches like the swearing like little nods to what it's on stuff like that now i think looking at the comments here as well like that there's people who've actually played this on an emulated game boy and made their complaints based on that in like in terms of how it translates and works you know i i i'm sure you were saying personally did not play on my Game Boy. <laughs> so. uh, no, I, <laughs> no. la- I admittedly lack the technical t- capabilities to make that happen. Yeah. So, yeah, understandably, we played it on modern hardware. Mm-hmm. And for me, like for a keyboard, and I hate that personally for <laughs> platformy style Metroidvanias. Um, but I got used to it. And in the case of this game, that was fine because did things in a very modern way, like uh, kind of mocking you for the way you get abilities in a Metroidvania by just like straight away like, saying, ha ha, you can't jump sort of thing. That, that, that was one of the first things you get when you are basically tasked with like getting that one upgrade point to be able to actually jump. <laughs> and like, yeah, like you ask the question about, try and jump and if you don't or refuse or you don't do it like that you still get mocked regardless of whatever you do 
like that. That was a great, wonderful first step in terms of like uh, making it feel like an old game, but also modernizing it with that sort of meta touch. And in true Metroidvania style, to be fair, when you get these abilities, uh, they do sort of open things up as simple as they are. And you get to explore more and you get to learn more and get to try different things. And, you know, failure is its own success, if you will, because you learn from each failure. And yeah, I, I found it to be a very faithful sort of representation of not only Metroidvania as it was, but also Game Boy games, as it were, yeah. from that era, in terms of doing Metroidvania. It's limited in a very purposeful way for this format. So uh, if you could have criticisms about that, it kind of feel nullified by the fact that you are playing a game that is designed for a certain kind of hardware. Um, but yeah, that's fine. Um, how did you feel about that though? Well, I got to say in terms of as far as homages go, um, this abides by my like, I suppose, checklist for what makes a successful one in that, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, it yeah. plays exactly like a Game Boy game from that era should. The more modern amenities come into the aesthetic of it, right? It's a little bit more of the personality. It's the art style, mm. which are not always things that you would actually see in a Game Boy game in terms of this game, right? The types no. of, you know, some of the swearing, some of the more crass humor, the little bit more dark humor, those types of things, but also some of the monster design perhaps. But, you know, it plays really, really well. And I thought, and I was quite literally surprised at how well it played on a keyboard because like you, that would not be my preferred way. No, but no. I was surprised at how quickly, you know, it is able to be adapted to a keyboard and to have, you know, a good range of motion as a platformer should. Um, in terms of like the art style and things, I was really impressed with that as well. There's a good bit of personality to it. Yeah. Um, and I think from a, to craft a game such as this with this aesthetic in mind, and yet it still abides by a speed run mentality. Cause as you know, you went through the comments below, mm. not only are people modding it so they can play it or emulating it so they can play it on three DSs, two DSs and whatnot, but there's a whole speed run community. Cause yeah. on top of collecting souls, there's these little like eggs or nuggets or something that if you collect them and trying to complete the game as quickly as possible, um, which is great. It's cool to see a game like this, have that, almost meta game to it right of yeah. it's not just completing it but complete it as quickly as possible while collecting all of these collectibles and whatnot Absolutely. Um, but yeah you know it controlled really well you know we've played a couple of games that have attempted to be game boy style homages the gameplay side of things was not nearly as faithful as i think we would have liked no. um, and in this it for me it played like a dream as you would expect it to on a game boy classic and yet mm. at the same time it's not completely ignorant of the fact that you're making this in 2023. So you're going to be allowed to impart some modern touches and creativity to it that you would never have seen on the Game Boy way back in the day. But it's implemented in a way that still doesn't feel overtly intrusive. It's noticeable, no. but it doesn't feel like, oh, this would never be in a Game Boy game type of thing. That's to right. a certain degree. I, I'm stumbling over my words a little bit because there are certain aspects that wouldn't be in a Game Boy game. But... More importantly, it's a seamless transition, I think, of those modern touches um, rather than just being like sort of like a big a big exclamation mark over this one particular moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think even in terms of like the enemy design, the patterns for enemy projectiles 
come out exactly as they would have on an arcade platform or from yeah. the early to late 90s, like a Mega Man or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, this was really impressive. And it it was very cool to see people uh, emulating this for their 3DS, which again, it's not something I would ever do, but it was very neat to see a Game Jam entry have that hardware component to it. Uh, yes. That was quite impressive, um, I found. Yeah. And yeah, this was definitely, again, you know, another uh, another great pick for the week. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very much more than just aesthetic sort of value. So yeah, that, that, that is a very important part of this. Um, that's us wrapping things up though uh, for this week. But if, as ever, you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. So you can drop us a DM at SaferInPod on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, or SaferInPod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. Jay, it has been a pleasure as always. And uh, we shall see you all next week. In the meantime, we will keep searching for more horror bites.